Hello and welcome to the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite podcast with me, Laura Linklater. The podcast for thoughtful, conscious-minded parents who want to break the cycles from their difficult childhood, end the cycles of arguing or disconnect in their family relationships and unlock the dream parent inside them so they can show up for their family and for themselves from a place of love and joy. quick note, this podcast used to be called the Parenting from the Heart podcast. So any recordings before August 2021 start with Welcome to the Parenting from the Heart podcast. You are in the right place. It's just that it's now changed its name to the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite podcast. Enjoy. Hello, hello, and welcome to another installment of the Parenting from the Heart podcast. Today, we are talking to the lovely Joanne Roach from The Foodies. Hi, Joanne. <laughs> it's really great. So this is a, we're doing a YouTube video and this is also going to be the podcast at the same time because some people like to watch interviews and some people like to listen to them. So we thought we'd do it, which is sure. brilliant. And the reason why I've invited uh, Joanne on, I'm going to ask her to tell us all a little bit more about what she does, but it's because one of the, one of the most common things that I get asked because I do conscious parenting and supporting parents with their healing and their skills to become the best parents that they can be, people ask practical skills. So we do talk about a lot of healing and we talk about things like hypnotherapy and how to move forward on our own personal journey. And it comes hand in hand with how do I get my kids to put their shoes on? You know, how do I make sure we're on time? How do I raise a respectful, you know, polite child who also knows their worth and won't be, you know, won't be bullied or put down? And all of this, this is part of the skills area. And one really, really common thing that people ask, especially when they find out that our family is vegan, is how do I get my kids to eat vegetables? <laughs> it's just, it's, and you know, I think it's perennial because it's been around, it's been around forever. And I remember my mum. So I'm, a, I'm the baby of five. And there's there are three boys in between me and my sister, who was the eldest. I remember us having it too. It's just, or, or you know, one of them who would have them, but only if they were so covered in tomato ketchup that you couldn't see them. And this is really, yeah. really common. And then I met Joanne and I thought, oh, brilliant. We could, we could join forces. And actually, hopefully this will be very useful for, um, you know, for the listeners, the conscious parents. So Joanne, can you tell us a little bit about first, what is the foodies? And then give us some ideas for how to get our children to eat vegetables. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I grew up in a very similar household. We kind of, you know, got what we were given. But I can remember that every time anybody said, oh, this is tangy, that meant I'm not going to eat it. Like tangy became our word. <laughs> the code. But, oh, it's a bit tangy. And mum would We go, had spicy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, there you know, go. Like, it's very, very spicy. Passing it. <laughs> spicy. <laughs> Still spicy. Um, so, yeah, so I run the foodies, which um, is a, a basically about getting kids to love their fruit and veg. So definitely the right person for this We're conversation. Um, so uh, I use familiarity, basically, to encourage children to like their fruit and veg. So uh, the world of food is like there's so much information now. We're in kind of a minefield. We've never had so much food but a lot of it isn't necessarily what you'd want to be eating all of the time. There's so much messaging about it. There's a lot of guilt about it. 
you know, like parenting's hard enough as it is and food is hard enough as it is. You put the two together. It's like a recipe yeah, for like you, guilt and distress and anxiety. And it is and interesting. I am doing another podcast with somebody in, in a, a couple of weeks and it's for mums, my mums and dads, but mostly mums and, and our own body issues and our issues about guilt with food. And, and a lot of people, because I work with cycle breaker parents. So this is, mm-hmm. you know, the parents who have had traumatic or chaotic or you know distressing confusing upbringings and they then want to break the cycle for their children and then when you start looking into cycle breaking people are like yo I had a really terrible relationship with food as a kid I had to finish my plate otherwise mm-hmm. I was in trouble or, or you know even societal norms I have I have two sons and a daughter and I do feel this a bit with both of them but especially my daughter I just you know look at the magazines and I think I don't want her to be you know like I think me and you are probably about a similar age. I don't want her to take all of these airbrushed images on and want to be skinnier. And how Absolutely. do we do it? And food is really the start, the food and the self-esteem, isn't it? It is, it is definitely. And um, yeah, so like we've got we've got all of our own issues about food and our own bodies and what we eat. And then we have these ideas of what we think we should be doing for our children. <laughs> And some of those everybody else has ideas. <laughs> yeah, like you know, it's like how am I eating in front of my children? How am I encouraging my children to eat? How do we eat when we go out? And it's just such a massive minefield. And like I'm not a dietitian or a nutritionist, so like I don't get into the the whys and wherefores of different value systems around it. But the one thing that everybody agrees with, like no matter what kind of dietary framework you have, that everybody can afford to eat more fruit and veg like you know if we eat lots of fruit and veg like any diet becomes healthier if you add in fruit and veg so and it is one of the biggest problems for parents is getting children and schools getting children to like their fruit and veg so there's quite a lot of studies about the fact that if children are more familiar with food they're more likely to eat it so they've done some reasonably good large-scale studies um, and small-scale ones in like day nursery settings or with a group of families that visit a family center that kind of thing where they use different ways to build children's familiarity and then track how the children then absorb food later on so things like um there was experiments where they'd have um, one group of children would have uh, an adult demonstrating uh, some food in front of them, chopping some off and cooking it and so on, but the children didn't get to touch it. Or there was another one where the children got to interact with it and chop it up and do all of those things. Um, and the ones that had been able to interact with the food themselves, then over the uh, following weeks, ate those foods that they'd seen interact with more than the other group. You know what? I've seen that in our house. We bought one of those. It's a, a cheese grater, cheese, but it's it's one where you, you you put it in and then so the kids aren't getting their fingers anywhere near it but yeah. you, you turned it like that so it's it's safe so I would chop them up or yeah. like my, my eldest would chop them up and we put say a carrot in there and then they turn it and yeah. I mean like kids I mean seriously my kids were having a fight over who got the most grated carrot yeah. <laughs> and my husband and I were like what yeah. it's just because they'd done it so they wanted to and eat it's, it and it's play and like children yeah. you know they, they want to play we all want to play we just forget as we get older but they still want to play um so if we can let children play with food i mean there's even been studies where they used um pictures like they literally showed kids pictures of vegetables and the ones that had been had had pictures or books read to them about vegetables ate more vegetables over time this is like an overtime thing not like you know here's a picture of a, here's a picture of a cabbage now eat the cabbage but just over time so um so yeah so i'm all about 
This is a very simple way that everybody can start where their kids are at, start where they're at, what time they've got and their life circumstances, and they can do a little bit of building up familiarity. So the things that I do, I, I make uh, books set in a veggie patch that are all, you know, different stories for each month of the year and all the characters are in season. I do you, do would you mind sharing as well? I know the people on the podcast won't get it, but yeah, the people sure. watching the um, watching the YouTube so our food of the month is tomato <laughs> and they're just little normal stories you know uh, you can see there. they're just little stories for young children that a child can either read um, themselves if they're an early reader or can, that they're made to be nice to read it aloud for an adult to read to the child um, and they're just little stories set in a veggie patch normal little adventures uh, but they are fairly accurate, so they're like seasonally correct, and um, you know the um, that we don't have cutesy names. They're just yeah. that's this is what fruit and vegetables look like in their setting. And then I do a subscription box, which is loads of activities and so on. And I have a load of free stuff on my website. So like I'm not here to sell all my stuff. There's loads of free stuff on my website. <laughs> yes. And um, we, well, I should do. just say to everybody, we'll put the website in the show notes, so. You, you can just you know click through from the podcast or in the yeah. youtube i don't know what they're called but the notes so it, it's all accessible i am definitely going to go on there because this is exactly <laughs> the sort of thing that we would have had where, when we were in uk we were just working out whether we could get it into vietnam but actually we can't because it comes with seeds and they won't let it in <laughs> yeah but yeah so so that's what i base my stuff around but my whole message is basically wherever your child is at just introduce food mm. to them at times that aren't the meal time. Now that's um, a really interesting point as well because I think a lot of people are like, "Here's this thing, eat it." And I remember from being being a child myself, like it's different. Is scary, isn't it? And especially if it's something like a, a mushroom, because because we're in a different country. We've been here in Vietnam for uh, nearly a year. August mm -hmm. will be our first anniversary up here, and there's like. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, you know, food that we're used to and we used to eat quite a, a wide range of food. But then there's things like the mushrooms or the fungi has like caused us no end of wobbles here because I don't know if there's like a thousand different types of, yeah. of fungi and there's like little ones with little caps and there's like frilly ones. And for the first about three months, I mean, the first time one of them was put on my plate, I genuinely went, oh, <laughs> because <laughs> it was different well, it, isn't it? and it reminded me of you know my kids were like uh no 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 and now they're like oh can I have some in my for like the yeah. traditional soup and things which is incredible but it, it's taken us months of seeing the same the same things again and again and again and having like a tiny bit or yeah. can yeah. you put it we, we used to have it say like they'd have their plate but also the thing that was new, they serve themselves. So, or, or yeah, sometimes yeah. even one of mine, he will have something like a mushroom. He has a thing with courgettes as well. Like he would put them on, on a separate plate. <laughs> he would, yeah, yeah. And, and we sort of look at each other, my husband and I, and we're like, he's going to eat courgette, fine. I don't care. Like, I'm not going to fight this battle, like, because it's not a battle. If you okay. choose to eat your courgette in a different way to anybody I've ever seen eat one, <laughs> fine. Who cares? yeah exactly and i mean that is the thing like you're saying with you know it does make you realize when you go into a different setting if you go to a, a dinner at somebody's house that you've never been yeah. to before or you go to a new restaurant and there's something on it if you go to a restaurant that's a different food culture and you don't understand the language so you're having to ask the waiter uh, there is a moment of trepidation where it's like what's in that like what does that ingredient mean and like we're adults and we're negotiating the world as an adult but if we have that moment of trepidation what must it be like for a child 
who has a much more limited sort of palette of information to be kind of like, well, what is this? And I'm being expected to eat it. Um, so uh, yeah, you can build up ways of um, building their familiarity outside of the food. Now, like obviously food costs money. So like, I'm not proposing yeah. that everybody goes out and buy like, you know, hundred pounds worth of vegetables and play with them every week. That's like yeah. not how I do it. And it's not feasible. And that leads us on to the, the other thing that people used to, a lot of people say is, you know, we, especially maybe in lockdown or, you know, people will say like, you know, I had a baby and then my toddler, you know, I have my toddler and I've been, you know, feeding them, but I just couldn't cook things from scratch. I was too tired. So we had a lot mm -hmm. of things like chicken nuggets or, um, you know, pizza, like standard things, or even after Christmas, I have this exact thing because they get used to all these, you know, rich treat foods. And then, yeah. and then end up in this position of saying, but they will only eat chicken nuggets now. And if I put anything that isn't chicken nuggets on the table, mm -hmm. they refuse point blank to eat it. And I can't afford, I remember this from a Jamie Oliver thing as well. Like, I can't afford to time-wise or money-wise to make something from scratch and to have a go, you know, like, oh, look at me, I'm trying. And then for my kids to turn it down, like I literally don't have enough money. And that yeah. was true before the pandemic. And it is most definitely true after people have been furloughed on 80% or lost their jobs. And Yeah. And that's kind of going from, well, we can only eat chicken nuggets to I have to have a gourmet meal cooked from scratch that like yeah, either people exactly. accept or reject. And there's so much of your own personal confidence in that because you've made this thing with love. And then it's like they're rejecting your love if they reject oh, your food, yeah. um, oh, which is just an awful feeling. Uh, a, like granny, a, of... a granny once said to me, nobody gets, what did you say? Nobody gets emotionally attached to a fish finger. <laughs> it was after I had genuinely burst into tears because the kids wouldn't eat something. I, ha I should say I had three babies under three and a half and it was that point right. where I had, they like the oldest wasn't even four. And she was like, just buy something in a box today. Just you, you can, you have permission some days to not do it. And and actually you're right. It does feel like a real rejection when they won't yeah. eat something. And, and the downside of being stressed about food is that it's three times a day plus snacks. So like you have three opportunities plus snacks, so five opportunities a day with young children to feel inadequate about yourself. But yeah. the, the flip side of that is that you've got five opportunities today to just, you know, have a tiny little success or to improve on yesterday or whatever. So like if you have a few days in a row where like everybody's feeling a bit grotty and there's a lot of food that isn't that great, doesn't matter. There'll be lots of other days, yeah. there's other days in the future. You know, by the time they leave your, your care, they'll have had thousands upon thousands of days filled with five times a day. So like this meal is not the beginning and the end of your life with food, with your children. This one meal that's happening now shouldn't have all that weight and stress of perfection yeah, sometimes on it. it's that perfect yeah you said it perfectionism like we we have this such a high bar and society tells us that to be a good no. mom you must yeah get five yeah, fruit yeah. of veg in a day and if you do not you have therefore not been a good mom and if yeah. your house isn't clean you know it's all that other stuff if your house isn't clean and your laundry isn't folded then you have failed and that's you've not like you said it's opportunities like you have five opportunities yeah. lots of opportunities to, to offer them so, something so just the five day free own your parenthood workshop is coming around again soon it is starting on friday the 13th of august and is going to be held over in the facebook group cycle breaker parents unite you are more than welcome all you need to do is join the facebook group and the links are all in the show notes so you don't need to remember it 
uh, enjoy the atmosphere and the free Friday trainings that I put on every week. And then on Friday, the 13th of August, I will pop up, go live, and I will deliver the workshop every day for the next five days, plus the bonus day on day six. So the day one is about conscious intention isn't enough. Day two, we talk about getting off the power seesaw. Day three, I introduce you to polyvagal theory and it's called biohacking safety. It's all about creating safety in your body. Day four is called becoming a cycle breaker. Day five, it's very exciting because it it is called step into your power. And the bonus session on day six is all about lifestyle design, designing the life that you would like to live. Again, all you need to do is come over and play in the Facebook group, and we would absolutely love to have you there, starting from the 13th of August. There's there's ways and means in between that kind of like, will they accept my gourmet, uh, you know, monkfish with three side vegetables, <laughs> or will they only eat a fish finger, which is pretty much the two ends. Um, there's loads of other opportunities that you can either do just putting a small amount on a plate, putting a small amount on the table and so on, like pre- keep presenting the foods, whether you decide to try and ask them to taste a bite or not, it depends on your parenting style, but like still present it, even if they're not going to eat it, still presenting it, even if it's only, you know, at one piece or it's on your plate or it's in the middle of the table and you take and they don't take, it just keeps turning up. So they keep seeing it and thinking this is not a weird thing to eat because look, mom and dad are eating it all the time or my sister's eating it all the time. So it's not weird. And then there's other opportunities. So for example, if a child really is, uh, um, you know, very anxious around food, then when when you go to the supermarket, get them to find the fruits and vegetables. So like they don't have to promise to eat them, but they have to- They have ownership. Yeah. yeah if they can read they can find the names and you know see the labels if not you can kind of say well you can describe it it's green and it's round and it's got a hard skin and it's smaller than a potato or whatever it is and get them to do that so they start to build up the idea that like oh this label looks like this thing and it's a thing that we buy and we eat so that's like a very good starting point you can get them to like help chop up the food even if they're not going to eat it so that they get to explore the textures they can talk about the textures and the smells um describing things is a really good way to get away from like values because like the values of like this is good or bad yummy yucky I hate this love this a very kind of value like they they have a lot of weight for for both the child and the parent whereas this is slimy or this is scratchy or this is salty or this is um, tingly on my tongue or this makes my nose wrinkle those are all ways of describing food but they have no values do they like the fact that something might be spicy could be good to one person or bad to another you know, that's really interesting because this is one of the things that I teach about children's emotions, mm-hmm. about it is what it is, you know, I'm feeling sad. Okay, what's that telling you? And we get, you know, we get, it's the same thing, getting curious. What exactly does it look like? What does it, if I turn it, what, you know, what, what does it look like on the underneath? You know, what if yeah. we cut it, what's it like inside? That's actually yeah. exactly what we do. So you can, uh, I'm thinking, because obviously I, I, I work with mostly conscious parents or you know people who are aspiring to be conscious parents and of course it's one of those things anybody who actually directs their mental energy into it is by virtue a conscious parent so there's no there's no bar to strive for it is you are who you are and that's awesome 
it's it's actually part of the same thing so it's not like oh i have to learn this thing for food oh i have to learn this thing for emotions oh i have to learn this thing tick 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 which is why yeah. i would i would worry a bit about the you know like tick boxes it's a yeah. general ethos within the home of oh yeah. that's interesting yeah like don't silo food into like there's like play and mm. learning and entertainment and you know family time and all that and then there's food like food can do all of those things so like you know instead of like playing together and then you go and prepare the food just for like two minutes I mean having kids in the kitchen can be really stressful so I'm not suggesting yes. like always get your kids to cook with you because like not everybody can do that oh, some days, yeah <laughs> like I love cooking with my kids but like you know what once a week once a fortnight <laughs> that I actually have to kitchen when it's the main family meal because you know I've got to get the food on the table by a certain time so we can get on with the rest of the evening yeah and, and like mine are, mine are small so you have things like the kettle and the knives and things or some days we can be set up and yeah I mean mine are 17 and 19 now so I've got the opposite <laughs> end which is that like my son cooks once a week and some of the weeks he repeats a recipe and some of the weeks it's a new recipe and so I have to go in and teach him it so like um like on those weeks obviously I've got to have the time and the energy to kind of stand yeah. there and go actually no it's better if you do it this way or whatever mm. so yeah like you just don't always have the bandwidth and that's fine but like you know you could get a child to just literally come and like grate a bit off the side of just do one grating off the side of a carrot and then talk about the gratings and smell the carrot and say some things about it and wander off that's a 30 second thing yeah. but they have then interacted with a carrot in a way and they've <laughs> talked about yeah. it and they've they've like had that they've like made friends with that carrot for that split moment again and those little things just add up um it's also quite good if you show them before and after cooking so they can kind of go look at this like look what this is like when it's raw and then when we bring it to the table yeah. you can have a feel of it and like you're not going to say they've got to try it but you can say like um you know squidge it now and see what it's like oh it's hard isn't it like when I get to the table I'm going to give you a piece to squidge and you can see what you think of it and you can smell it then and so it's kind of setting up for a repeat experience. You, you've actually just r reminded me of a long forgotten memory that I'm pretty sure there was, yeah, I'm going to ask my mum about this. I think <laughs> there was years of my life where I wouldn't eat carrots unless they were raw. In fact, I remember it. I remember her like cooking, like cutting them and putting them in a pan and then leaving some for me. And I would only eat them raw because it wasn't anything about with the actual carrots. Mm -hmm. It was how they felt, and so often yeah. it's not really necessarily about the taste. It was how they felt when they were cooked. And bless her, she didn't half overcook. <laughs> um, yeah, we've all yeah, but no, texture is massive. Texture is really massive for children, and we've got to remember that some of this is like built into our evolution. That, yeah. um, like, like the vast majority of children will go through a, a, um, a picky phase, even if they're not picky their whole life. Most children will still go through a picky phase usually around sort of two to three-ish up to like seven, eight-ish. That's like the, the sort of the peak where before and after that, they may or may not be anxious. Oh, that's the age of they probably all <laughs> yeah. And it's because, you know, that's the point at which they would be crawling about, getting out on their own two feet. And so evolutionarily, they think, we're not sure, but we think it's because it stopped them then picking up poisonous things and eating them when they were independent. So they don't, it's I think it's called neophobia I think the fear of new things so they like don't go no for new kids. things without checking it I'm not 100% sure on that but I think it is um but yeah so um like that's like a normal thing and like instead of kind of making that well, it's like, good no, to know as well that is so good to know because now this is a completely different podcast the whole thing of like are we supposed to live in these you know nuclear families in our homes and not interact I would argue probably not but that's just how mm -hmm. we live right now 
but it's so easy to feel like I am the only person who finds this hard. And then if say you go to, to a baby group or school or, you know, meeting people, whatever age your kids are, you know, whether they're babies or teenagers or anywhere in between, we don't often, you know, you don't see people go, oh, hi, how are you doing? You're like, oh, they won't eat. It's so stressful. You know, people sort of put that Instagrammy spin on it unless you've got really, you know, you're with really close friends and then they just share everything. But it, it's that it can make you feel like, it's only my kid who won't eat. And actually it's, like you said, no. it is phase. it is all kids. Well, I can tell you, I spent, six of the last, I spent six of the last 10 years working in school food. And I can tell you that there are definitely more kids that have some element of pickiness mm. about a certain amount of food. Like, you know, not that all kids are picky about everything, but there are more kids in primary schools who have things they don't like and don't really want to eat then there are kids that will just eat everything in front of them. Like, I'm going to tell you that categorically. There are ones that, that will eat really, everything. Really good to know. There are ones that won't eat anything at all and have to have a very special pat lunch setting that is this very rigid thing. And then everybody else is in between and the majority of people are somewhere in the middle. So but it's yeah, just like Even grown-ups are like that. I have things that I just won't eat right now because exactly. I don't like them. I don't like Brussels sprouts. And actually, that's fine. <laughs> it doesn't and define my value as a human being. I just don't like them. I try them every year at Christmas. Still like them. <laughs> I, I do think possibly at this point we can't be friends but hey right so um, <laughs> I, I really like how they look because <laughs> they would look like jingle bells you know but I just are uh, every year <laughs> I need to put more butter on them or something <laughs> but yeah that's the thing as adults we can we choose our own food and then we go to restaurants yeah. and we choose our own food and the only time we ever get stuck with somebody else's food really is if we go to somebody's house for dinner and then we have to decide whether or not to like eat something we don't like or you know being polite yeah. and not pick that thing off but like most of our life we have a lot of control and children don't yes. so so yeah, yeah so there's basically it like find lots of opportunities for them to just interact with food where they're not being expected to eat it um as many times as you can um if you then do want to do tasting with your children and you want to build it up start where they're at so um if they won't eat the stuff then get them to smell it if they will smell the stuff then maybe the next one is to touch it on their lip um or to touch it with their tongue and see what the tongue feel is like um yeah they can touch it with their hands um they can try a tiny bit if the child is really anxious around food always have a napkin and it'd be perfectly okay to put it in their mouth chew it a couple of times spit it back out again like don't have an expectation that they'll swallow it um, because that's a real barrier for a lot. Of I wonder how many people listening to this were never given that option as kids. Oh, well, I wasn't. Like you yeah, eat yeah. it, you eat it, you, it's on your plate, you eat it. There are starving children in other countries, eat it. And actually that, that just, that just makes it, it, it makes it worse because then there's a whole another level of stress. And sometimes we have, to, you know, you said like the, you know, there's, thousands upon thousands of meals over the time that your child is with you until they grow up so if they won't eat that you know parsnip or whatever it is that particular day and they need to chew it twice and spit it out but if they do that enough times then they'll one day they'll swallow it and then you know in three years time they'll be asking you how you roast one when it's their turn to cook dinner exactly and there's also it's loads a long of game, isn't it? on that it is a long game there's loads of studies on like how many times a child has to try a food or an adult for that matter yes. try a food before they will accept it and it's anything from like five to 25 times um that's a lot that's of that's a lot of failures but they're not really failures yeah. are they it's a lot of that's attempts it. and that's getting just, used to it that's just to accept the food that's not necessarily like the food that's just yes. to that's just to get past all of the feelings about it 
for some children, it takes lots of trying of a food to get past the feelings and to actually be able to really think, do I like the taste of this without any of the anxiety about it or the, the newness of it or any of that? It might take them that many times to even know. And then also people's taste buds change. So a child might like a food. My kids, one of my children really hated tomatoes, as in that you would eat them, but you really hated them. And then about three years later, like kept, kept having them, they just kept turning up his plate every you know few weeks or so, and he kept eating them. And then now, like, it's his favourite food. And and he always said, like, if I'd not carried on just putting them in front of him, like, without any judgment, uh, well, sometimes there probably was judgment. Someone's like, oh, I'll put you that tomorrow. Will you just not give it a bite? No, I don't yeah. like it. Well, I'll just have a also bite. Human. Yeah. I probably did do some of that. But, yeah, like, he, he wouldn't have those things in his life now. <laughs> yeah, and, and also he'd have a mindset of, like, I don't like these and then that yeah. might hold him back and I mean I know it's a tomato but you know you know in the grander scheme if, if, if we don't keep giving our child I know I'm, I'm yeah. veering into the you know sort of behavior and mindset of, of how they feel about themselves so you, you know like if we always say like you're the stubborn one then they they develop a sense of their self which is I am stubborn yeah. or they fight us on it yeah. and, and neither but, of those you know, is useful the words yet the words yet and so far are quite good so like yes. if your child says i don't really like carrots and you're like yeah you don't like carrots yet do you or you haven't liked them so far yeah but we've only tried I've them down. Down, you know like that's quite good because it gives them possibilities it isn't a, a defining yeah. part of their character it's just that so far when they've tried a carrot they haven't liked it so they don't like them yet but and that's like, a casual conversation as well it's not like a you must eat this it's just like oh yeah, yeah. i can see that yeah oh, i'm curious i'm interested but, you know, I've got I've got an adult friend who um, grew up in a household where food was quite restrictive. And um, when she got married, her husband was very adventurous about food. And what he said to her was, think of the thing that you like the most, like the think of the meal you like your very favorite thing. And she thought about what it was. And he said, what if this thing that you're not don't want to eat? What if that's as good as that or better? And she was like, OK. And she started trying things and now she'll eat anything. But that was that kind of like, well, what if this thing that you won't won't accept is better than that's the, like the green thing. eggs and ham, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah, but all yeah. the way through, it's like I don't like it, and then was it like the last page? He's like, oh gosh, if it will shut you up, I'll eat it. And not that that's what we want them to get to, but you know, and then and then he's like, oh, I do like it. And and sometimes my kids actually quote that book, so you know, things like your books are so useful because it does make them go like, oh no, actually, I know tomato. Like I'm familiar with what a tomato is. So I'm yeah. like, it. Whereas if it's this new alien thing plopped on their plate, it's like, yep. oh yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Um, um, I just, so, so yeah, so I think, I think just um, in general, I'd like, I've said a load of things now. Yeah, they're great. Somebody could I've be sitting there kind of, <laughs> but somebody could be sitting there going like, oh my God, I've got to do all of these things. And like, you don't. Just start where you're at and just try some things, try one thing. And if you think about it in these terms, if you um, just experimented with food a little bit, and your child ended up accepting, not necessarily loving, but accepting and like tolerated eating a bite of one food a month, just one food a month. Actually, that's, that's so doable. That's not scary. And that's not a complete waste of money, like one carrot a month or, you know, like one yeah. bag of carrots a month. We can do that or one broccoli or one cauliflower. Like that's that's not going to break the bank. And if they don't like it, then it's not upset. Like we don't need to be upset about it because. Nope. We bought it knowing that it, it probably would be rejected first and then less and less and less so and then eventually yeah. accepted. But that'd be 12 foods a year. 
So like if you start at one, by the time they get to school, that's going to be what, 48 foods by the time they get to school that yeah, they've yeah. tried. And if they like half of them, that's 24 fruit and veg that they would like by the time they started school. And if you're already like a five-year-old, if you carry on with that till they're 11, even if they reject three quarters of them, you're still going to have like a battery of 20 to 30 foods that they can go to other people's houses and eat, they can eat in their school dinners and so on. So just these little bits, basically what I want to say is like, have hope that small steps add up over time. You're going to have these kids oh, yeah. in your household for like the best part of 20 years. And during that time, you've got lots of opportunities to very gently just put these things in their life and have them accept them or not. And so like this, this meal that you're cooking today and you're worrying about today is not your whole parenting around food. It's just this yes. evening's meal. And there's plenty of other chances to not get it right or get it wrong because there isn't a right or wrong, but to present your child with a chance to be adventurous, another chance to be loads, there'll be hundreds, thousands of them before they leave your house. So like, don't, don't make it all about, you know. Like, I, just, I feel like, you. you know, even me with the, the kids who are actually, they are fairly adventurous. And I guess that's because we've done things like mm -hmm. you know, world schooling and, and going to different places. Although it's not like it's all been plain sailing because it's absolutely not. <laughs> but it makes it, it I feel like there's a lot less pressure. Like it just, yeah. it is what it is. And if they eat it, they eat it. And if they don't, they don't. Because we're yeah. on a sliding scale of maybe it takes another ten goes, and that's fine. And that's a very different out. That's a very very different outlook to what many of us were raised with. You know, in that standard eighties, nineties, well, so you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, noughties, like eat, eat it. Else, yeah. <laughs> that's very very different. So for some of us, it actually might be quite healing. To look after our, you know, to to nurture our children's sense of and love of foods mm -hmm. when we didn't have that. And actually, that's quite. I mean, it's a choice they're going to make themselves when they leave our homes. It's a choice they're going to make for themselves three times a day plus snacks for the rest yes. of their life. So them having the idea that they're allowed to like explore food and uh, make choices that are based on what they want around food and to take in expert advice it's not that you shouldn't listen to advice about what's good for you and what's bad for you and so it's not that you should like you know entirely work with what's in your head like outside advice is a good idea but that at the end of the day what they choose to eat is their choice for the rest of their life and what we're doing is helping them to learn how to make those choices yes yeah, the foundation so, isn't it it is a foundation yeah so um so yeah so i, I hope that that message of like it's okay you've got lots of chances and just yes. do a little bit if you have got children like yours that um that are a little bit more adventurous now and you've got over the hump of you know it being difficult what you can also do is you can still do tasting but you can do it with blindfolds that's a really cool thing to do so in the subscription box that we do we have five seasonal foods each month for them to try and and i all the instructions are in there from like if they if they won't try foods then just buy these at the supermarket or chop them up or smell them there's like different layers and the top layer is if they're a child that will eat all five of those foods and you know that they will, then, yeah, you do a blindfold tasting. You don't tell them which one they're eating and they have to guess just that. by their taste and smell which one they're eating. And it's like a game then. That's funny. So In that's my head, I already know that two of them are going to be like, yes, bring it. And the other one, I, I already know which one it is. He's going to be like, nope, <laughs> nope. But it, which is good because it just shows that all kids are different, doesn't it? Yes, oh, and they can, that. that child can do the, the lower down levels. They can do the, well, I'll touch it or I'll smell it or whatever, and everybody gets to win. Yes, so. wonderful. Um, so I know we're going to put everything in the show notes, but you were going to share about, because you've got a podcast coming out very, very soon, haven't you? Which I think for anybody who's listening to this and like food is a thing in your house, and that's totally cool if it is, because we all have our own flashpoints, don't we, for all different kinds of reasons, yeah. which is why I'm 
I don't know if you know, I did a, um, a podcast the other day about, you know, when a pet passes away and how you support your children. That's not going to be relevant to everybody or, you know, maybe it will be one day, but not right now. And so I do think the food, we all eat food. <laughs> so that is relevant. But, you know, some people might be thinking, I want to follow this up. I want to learn more. Joanne's amazing. Well, I'm thinking that already. Um, so where can people find you? Um, thank you. Um, well, the, the foodies.org is my main website. Um, and then I'm, a, I'm on everywhere as the foodies books because my core product is the books. So the foodies books on Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, everywhere as the foodies books. Um, and then, yeah, I am starting a podcast. Uh, it's looking like mid to late August, just in time for going back to school. Um, and it's a short school run friendly podcast and it's like magazine segments. So it's not a half hour interview. It's like five minutes of one topic and five minutes of another topic. Um, and it will be a mixture of kind of expert people who are much more expert than me, dietitians, nutrition, nutritionists and so on. Um, but also things like um, schools that are doing a brilliant thing, growing vegetables or um, I've got a friend who um, does online cookery classes for families and she okay. like helps the parents and the children to uh, to cook together. Online. They used to do so that got at local. the Children's Centre near us when cool. we were in Yorkshire. It's brilliant. They're really fun. So oh, she's got loads of tips. She's seen loads of parents with children. She's got loads of tips about like how to make it easier to bake with children. So it'll just be things like that, like lots of little snippets so that like if there's a bit that doesn't apply to you because your children aren't the right age or you don't eat that way, you can just like forward to the next bit and watch the next bit. So that will be called the Food for Kids podcast and it's coming out towards the end of August. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Joanne, for coming on. And like I said to you, uh, everybody watching or listening to this, all of these links are going to be in the show notes. So, what, you know, and you'll just need, you just click through and then you'll find Joanne. So yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been really lovely. useful. I'm going to go and find some blindfolds now. <laughs> and get <job> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do make sure that you subscribe so that you get future episodes delivered to you. And I would love it if you were able to leave a review because these things really do matter. If you'd like to know more, I am going to extend a really warm invite to you to join us over on Facebook in the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite group. The links are all in the show notes and you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook.